Okay, something a bit different today and uh, likely to be one of the more difficult podcast recordings that I've, I've undertaken. Um, we normally take time out to chat with, uh, with footballers past and present about their careers and their experiences and today in, in a way is no different. Um, we've been joined by Bill. Uh, Bill, thanks for allowing the fourth official to give you the platform to, to share your story today. Just over a week ago, the Scottish FA published a report which had looked into uh, harrowing sex abuse allegations in Scottish football. Um, it's a topic that I don't feel particularly qualified to talk about. I have read the report, I've seen the coverage, and uh, if I'm being completely honest, that's about as much uh, as I can stomach. Um, but I wanted to highlight a quote that has always touched me um, and was spoken by George Santayana. Um, it's enshrined at the site of the Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp in Poland, and it reads simply as follows, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. It, for me, it's a sentiment that rings true in respect of the historic sex abuse scandal that has cast a dark shadow over Scottish football for quite a long time. Um, so after a bit of deliberation, this podcast absolutely felt like the right thing to do. Um, Bill, before you share your story, uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Thomas, all things considered. Uh, you know, I decided to forego my anonymity, actually, about a year ago just now. Mm-hmm. Uh I'd made a couple of uh, contributions to paper reports prior to that, but retained my anonymity uh, and then was approached by Alex Thompson at Channel 4 News uh, when he'd done his first coverage uh, of the abuse scandal. And at that point, I made the decision that, yeah, I would forego the anonymity uh, and raise my head above the parapets, as I say. Yeah, so it's uh, just first thing I want to say on that, it's a very brave thing to do. Um, obviously something that you didn't have to, but um, there's such an important story uh, to tell here and, and a lesson to be learned, isn't there? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder, can you can you just take us right back to the start, your first involvement getting, you know, getting into to football in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, it, as a kid growing up, like a lot of people, I, I just love football. Uh, and in the late 60s, uh, I was fortunate enough to win my first cap at primary school level. And there was a lot of excitement, family excitement around that. Uh, I was excited about it. Uh, And it was, I guess, the first step of me realising that as a youngster, uh, I was not a bad player. uh, And there was possibly opportunities uh, to take that further and hopefully uh, into the professional game. Uh, so that that was me at that stage as a sort of 12, 12 year old boy, really waking up to the fact that how much I loved the game uh, and how much I wanted to become involved uh, with the, the sort of best teams that I could possibly be involved with at that point uh, and try as a youngster to, to prove myself and go on to hopefully in those days, sign an S for them because that was the thing that you did once a professional club became interested in you. So an exciting time for for any uh, young aspiring footballer, isn't it? Um, and it's, it's something that I think uh, historically it's been abused, that excitement and that desire to sort of do anything to become a footballer. And is that something that you experienced in your progression through youth football? Yeah, um, you know, that... There was a fortunate aspect, and then came the the, the unfortunate uh, that, that came in behind that. And the fortunate thing was, shortly after that county cap, uh, we got our family was approached, and by the family I mean my mum and dad uh, were approached by what was 
definitely perceived as the premier juvenile club in the West Lothian area. And that was a club called Up Hall Saints. Uh, and someone whose career, albeit young as it was, I had followed because he went to the same primary school as me. But basically mm. he was involved, along with the coach at the time, Bill Kelly, coming to see the family and saying, look, we've been watching you through primary school stroke county level football. Uh, we'd now like you to come uh, and be part of the Uphall Saints family. And again, as a youngster, knowing who were the, the, the premier clubs in the area and knowing the respect and track record that they held within juvenile football, uh, I was delighted uh, to be approached uh, and asked to join the club. And tell me, Bill, how quickly did that sort of delight and excitement um, start to, to turn a little bit sinister? Did you have a good period of time at the club before anything untoward um, happened, or was it was it quite sudden? No, well, it was sudden in terms of it was after about three or four months. I mean, we'd we'd sort of gone through a pre-season, uh, and during pre-season. I was pulled aside a couple of times to say that I was training really well, uh, the effort that I was putting in and the way that I went about the, the practice games and stuff like that would probably indicate that I was captain material for the team uh, and would I be happy to take on that responsibility. So straight away, to me, there was an acknowledgement of, of my young talent at that time uh, and already I was starting to feel good about the fact that I had joined this club. Uh, about, as I say, three or four months later into to those initial days, uh, it then started to go a bit sour. Uh, and that's when the abuse started to happen. Uh, Bill Kelly, who I've already named was the principal coach, he had this uh, well tried and tested MO where he singled out maybe two or three players that he would take down to his home after the games on a Saturday uh, on the basis that uh, they, he considered them to be strong individuals with the ability to further their career and also uphold Saints reputation as a leading juvenile club. Uh, and after the game on a Saturday, we would then go back to, to his flat in Uphall and the, the aspect that he played on, as far as that's concerned, was that we would then go into a health club in Edinburgh uh, on a Sunday morning to do an element of sort of warm down extra training that, in his eyes, would, would help and benefit us uh, in terms of progressing our career. And, and what did that become then, Bill, from there? Uh, that became the flat from hell, mm -hmm. uh, essentially. Um, the abuse started on the basis that, and again, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but it, but it was very much a tried and tested method that he had and that after the game on the Saturday, we'd go back to the flat and one of the things he insisted on was to loosen up and be ready for the, the additional training on the Sunday. We would all go for a bath in the flat. Uh, he would basically come into the bathroom and chat through the game. Uh, but at the same time, that's when the abuse process would start. That, that was his introduction into basically getting you naked uh, and then making inroads from there. It's, 
It's obviously it's incredibly difficult to, to listen to and, and I'd imagine a difficult story to tell. Um, and it's just one example of something that clearly was happening quite widespread across yeah. um, Scottish football. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I just ask how much um, the opportunity you've had to be able to tell this story and presumably um, discuss with other uh, survivors of abuse, has that been a, of, of help to you over time, Bill? Massive help. I mean, I, I kept this under my hat until 2018. Uh, and I, I probably spent, uh, well, it was the best part of three years of, of being an abused victim. And the, the reason that it probably lasted that length of time was one, they had, abusers had a canny knack of mixing hope with fear. So the hope was that your S forum signing was round the corner. Uh, there was trials at, at various clubs along the way. So there was always that carrot being dangled that your dream wasn't too far away. But while you wanted to realise that dream, you had to put up with what was going on in the background uh, to help you achieve that. What came out of that was, as I say, me keeping silent. I left the club uh, at under 16 level. Uh, thankfully, that was the end of the abuse as such. Um, and, I, you know, there's been times where I've asked myself the question, why did you put up with it for that period of time? And the simple answer to that that I keep coming back to is, is just the fact that that big move that I wanted, you know, was, was round the corner. Uh, and I didn't want to give up on that for any shape or reason. And the good thing about talking to peer groups is that they felt exactly the same. Uh, I closed it down in the back of my mind till 2018. I was sitting watching a news article uh, when the Barry Bennell story began to unfold down south. And it was the bravery of those guys that made me think to myself, do you know something? Maybe now it's time to unload this, uh, take it from the back of my mind uh, and get it out there and hopefully help me in some sort of recovery process and dealing with it, uh, and also making my family aware in the best possible way that I could that this had happened and was part of my life story. Well, incredibly courageous to speak about it, I have to say. Um, I, I just wonder, what, what kind of impact do you think? I mean, you obviously shut it down and pushed it to the back of your mind for a long time. What, what kind of impact do you think this has all had um, on your life? Uh, it, it's been very beneficial to me. Because from for something that was hidden, that would every now and again in my own mind, uh, I mean, I'd I'd go out runs. Uh, once I gave up playing football, I would still want to keep fit. And part and parcel of going out a run was just to try to understand in my own head what had happened, but without bringing other people into it and and having to watch their emotions unfold. Um, you know, the two thousand and eighteen scenario then gave me the strength because of the group of family and friends that are round about me. Uh, I knew they would be supportive. And what I've learned since then is that my peer group who experienced similar things that I've subsequently spoken to, uh, they've been nothing but helpful and supportive. And again, been an encouragement for me to do interviews such as this. Good. No, that's good. Uh, how do you think that this scandal has been handled in Scottish football, both in terms of the authorities who run our game um, and the clubs that have been involved in this? Yeah. I mean, 
if I'm answering the question about the clubs and the authorities, the, mm -hmm. the one word that comes to mind is just atrocious. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it, if we look at any other area of child sex abuse that's been uncovered, whether that be social care related, uh, whether it be church related, uh, they people went through horrible, horrible situations, exactly the same as what we as victims did. Uh, but for some reason, within football circles, everybody wants to sweep this under the carpet. You know, that, that includes the authorities, it includes the clubs, and it includes, unfortunately, the politicians that are involved uh, in Scottish government today. And, and that's pretty much across the board. Does that make closure something that has been difficult for you to find until that kind of acknowledgement the proper acknowledgement from the authorities and the and the clubs and the politicians involved does that make closure something quite difficult to find bill it, it does thomas because you know since, since i've given up my my anonymity mm -hmm. i've unfortunately received contact from others who want to remain anonymous uh, but who have given me their stories uh, and to listen to, to some of the, the occurrences that have taken place, it, it, you know, it breaks your heart uh, simply because uh, part and parcel of those stories, uh, and I'll give you a for instance, was a report being made to the police, allegations made specifically about Bill Kelly. And, you know, a fortnight later, that youngster was approached by the police to say that he was telling lies. Uh, and besmirching the good character of a man who had done a lot of good within West Lothian football, uh, even to the extent that his parents actually gave him a row uh, and started to question whether he was lying or not. Uh, and it's that type of thing that makes me think that the only way that we're ever going to uncover and get under the skin of what happened, not just at club level, but beyond that, and by... By that phrase, I mean the judiciary of the country as well. Uh, we really, really need to look at some sort of public inquiry. So, if there's if there's one thing that you would like to, to see happen now, is that is that a, a proper, uh, properly yeah, run public I mean, inquiry? The, the the politicians today, the, their deflection of the whole thing has been around the fact that the SFA were publishing this report, uh, and you know they were sitting back waiting to see what the outcome of the report was and is, uh, that day's come and gone now. Uh, I've subsequently uh, emailed a number of politicians and basically said to them, right, okay, we've got that out of the way now, can we progress this forward uh, and take it a little bit more seriously from a government point of view? Because one of the things that I did notice, and, and, and this was going back possibly a year or so, uh, was that one of the abuse group charities that had been set up that was was given a public inquiry by the Scottish government. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon, and I'm not being political here, but she took the, fo the photo opportunity to meet with those individuals uh, and take some of the plaudits for setting up the public inquiry on their behalf. All we are asking for as a group is to be treated exactly the same uh, and not to be ignored any longer. And that's a, a more than reasonable thing to ask. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about 
uh, the, the kind of positive side of it that you talked about there, there are organizations that are trying to help the cause. Um, yep. You know, how, uh, how, how good do you feel about that? Like, what can you say about these people who are, who are getting involved and helping out? Yeah, I mean, anybody that, that wants to come and assist uh, any victim, we will welcome with open arms. Uh, you know, I've even got to the stage where because of the level of support that we are gathering in the likes of social media platforms and stuff like that, uh, I'm even getting to the stage where if we go unheard for much longer, uh, I'm even thinking that we might have to form some sort of demonstration group uh, mm -hmm. and take the battle to Holyrood rather than wait for them responding to us. And I've sort of muted that initially. And again, I know for a fact that there is support out there that if that needs to happen, then that, that's what we'll do. I think um, the only other thing I wanted to ask about specifically, Bill, um, there were a number of uh, clubs, and I don't want to get into any kind of yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. guilt game with, with particular football clubs um, and amongst all this, but there were a number of clubs that were specifically called out in the Scottish FA's report. Um, I feel like there's been a little bit of a silence off the back of that. Um, I know that some clubs have acknowledged it, some have apologised. Um, how do you feel about the, the role of the, the clubs um, in amongst all of this? Do you know... I, I just wish, and I'm going to repeat myself here because this is something that I said to Alex Thompson, but I, I just wish they would all look at Manchester City as a shining example who basically put their hands up in the Benel situation and said, you know, what we, facil what we help to facilitate here is an absolute travesty. And, you know, again, speaking for a number of victims, it's not about compensation for us it is about getting to the, the truth and uncovering and getting the justice justice is the key word not compensation but getting the justice that we feel we deserve and for clubs to continue to deflect deny not make comment they are actually hurting the victims more you know we are trying to come out we are trying to generate hope and support for people that have gone through this and all the clubs are doing by ignoring this whole aspect is rubbing their noses in it further uh, and that's just shameful yeah thanks again bill for um allowing us to give you the platform to continue to share your story and for being so candid in doing so um i'm truly sorry to hear about the abuse that you and so many others have have suffered um but it does take a great deal of courage to to come on to podcasts like this and speak about your story. And uh, let's hope that you get the closure that you deserve and the justice that that you deserve. Um, and and the same for all other uh, survivors of of the uh, the abuse which has plagued Scottish football for long enough. Appreciate the opportunity, Thomas. Thank you so much.